All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Exit 77, a Nerd Aim Football podcast. I'm your host, Drew Brennan, coming at you live from Glen Ellen on Wednesday night. Uh, for those of you that are listening to this podcast, you did hear that correctly. This is the day after episode 56. We are recording episode 57 one day after. Um, obviously, with it being the big Ohio State weekend, wanted to get two podcasts out this week. You know, wanted to make sure the first one that we covered off on the Central Michigan win, and then as well talk a little bit about Ohio State, but wanted to have a second episode specifically dedicated to the Ohio State game, the Buckeyes, the Irish, the matchup, and talking a little bit more about everything that you know we might be seeing on Saturday. For those of you that are keeping track as well, the weather's looking great. Looks to be about 80 degrees during the day. I'm sure it'll cool off at night, so we're probably looking at around 60s at night. 7.30 Eastern start, so it should be, you know, right about it. Kickoff should just starting should just start to be getting dark. Um, so, you know, we'll play most of the game uh, completely under the lights. But, yeah, don't think you could ask for a better atmosphere, uh, a better matchup between two top 10 teams, two teams, you know, from a storied college football perspective that don't typically play each other a whole lot. And college game day will be there. Uh, Pat McAfee show is going to be there. You know, all the eyes of the college football world will be on the Notre Dame Ohio State game on Saturday night. Tons of good matchups as well during the day. Um, so, you know, mark your calendars for this Saturday. It's going to be one of those great ones from a college football perspective. All right, let's get into the show tonight. And uh, I teased this out on my last episode, but joining us tonight um, is my good friend um, and Ohio State alumni. Mr. Kevin Colleen. Um, Kevin's, uh, uh, like I said, a good friend of mine, and I'm going to let him introduce himself and tell you a little bit more about himself. But uh, I think this will be really fun. This is my first opportunity to have, you know, a fan of another team on. Um, like I said in, yesterday, you know, Kevin's been a good buddy for a while. He also likes Notre Dame, um, so he'll have a very reasoned approach to everything. Um, but he's going to give us, you know, uh, a real good perspective and give us some good takes around Ohio State as he's a, he's a diehard, diehard Buckeye fan. Um, and uh, we will actually be going to the game together on Saturday. Kevin and I had talked last year about, you know, kind of this back-to-back. We, we tried to do last year's game, but with it being over Labor Day weekend, we did not we were not able to pull it off. But, you know, we are going to pull it off uh, this Saturday. So we're really looking forward to it. It should be a great, great day. So, Kevin, I'm going to turn it over to you. Why don't you uh, tell the, little, the listeners a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself. And, uh, yeah, feel free to tell us, you know, how you became an Ohio State fan, you know, kind of just anything and everything about, you know, why you're why you're excited to be on the pod today drew thanks for having me i've been listening this is your third year with the podcast i've been listening to them really enjoy them um listeners at home drew and i go way back i met him in 2001 when i was working on the trading desk at morgan stanley his dad was my mentor and i don't even even know if you remember this Drew, but we met at a bull suite randomly right yeah i think i think i'd remember that yeah yeah just hit it off from day one you know, I grew up the biggest uh, Notre Dame fan in the state of Ohio, I think. Um, I got a lot of blowback from that with my friends to the point where my dad, um, I gave your dad a piece of the last wooden goal post in Notre Dame. Because in 1959, my dad was in eighth grade and stormed the field when they beat USC and ripped on the goal posts. And I'm going to have a slice for you on Saturday. I'm going to sh- shave some of that goal post off for you, Drew. Because it, you, you certainly deserve a piece of that. But how did I become an Ohio State fan? I went to Ohio State. And I was a huge Notre Dame fan. And when you spend five years on a campus, it just sort of seeps in. And these are the John Cooper years when we were really, really good. We'd be 11-0, 11-0, and then get beat by Michigan. So we did win a Rose Bowl when I was there. But then when I moved away from Columbus in 2001 and moved to Chicago, I just 
really became a huge, huge Ohio State fan, not only because I was I graduated from there, but you know, it just says home to me. So big Ohio guy, big Ohio State guy. But to your point earlier and what you said last week, even like I still respect Notre Dame, still want Notre Dame to win every game except for uh Saturday. Awesome. Um thanks for that, Kevin. Um quick question around your your kind of your obviously your love of ohio state what have been some some memorable ohio state moments for you um throughout your life whether it's games you've been at in person um games you remember watching on tv um just give us a couple of moments uh being an ohio state fan that you've really you know kind of just will always remember and stand out in your mind i could probably th- think of four one i was lucky enough to get a ticket actually through one of our connections at um Morgan Stanley to the Miami Hurricanes game when we beat them for the national championship. So that was incredible to watch my team win the national championship. Um, unfortunately, I was at the same game two years later when Florida beat us really, really bad, 41 to 24. But two other ones really stick out was the Holy Buckeye when we beat Purdue uh, with a last second TD. And maybe the best one ever was when Zeke Elliott busted through the Alabama defense and ran 85 yards through the heart of the South. I was in a bar and just people were talking to me, chirping at me because we were down early in the game. And when we, when he broke that run, I think I ran around the bar. Like I didn't talk trash, but I was like, just very, very happy. And we went on to beat Oregon a week and a half later for the national championship. So those are four moments that really, really stick out. Awesome. And then from, from a coaching perspective, like you said, it was the John Cooper years when you were, uh, you know, in college, um, obviously we had the Trestle years, you got the Urban Meyer years, you got, you know, you got a Luke Fickle year in there, you got the Ryan Day kind of year in there. Um, any of the, co- any of those coaches stand out to you just kind of from just a general perspective? I'm sure we could talk for an entire hour about Urban Meyer. Um, but what, what, um, you know, which of those coaches stand out to you? You know, who are you pretty fond of? Um, any fun stories about any of the coaches or, or anything from that perspective? I am a Trestle guy, right? Because like I said earlier, Michigan just had our number. Like when I was in college, actually towards the end of college or towards the end of high school and then college. And Trestle called a shot. He was at a basketball game and you probably remember this, said you're gonna be proud of this team in 355 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And they went up to Ann Arbor, Michigan and beat them. And my dad was a college football coach and a high school football coach when I was growing up. And when Blue Holtz was like, in the middle of it all and he almost wanted to retire and my dad said hey jim trussell should be the next coach of uh notre dame jim trussell and he said take over for lou olds and i'm like who's jim trussell he's like youngstown state and i knew growing up in ohio the youngstown state division two was good they won some national championships I'm like who's this guy right and then ohio state hired him my dad called me like national championship in three years he's like this guy is incredible i'm like who who is this guy and he has changed the culture he like just winning was acceptable that was the that was the culture and he even started the national or the our alma mater sing for the student body after the games and you know he got in some trouble obviously left on bad terms but he he was my guy because he he really brought us from you know winning big 10 titles and losing bowl games to winning a national championship and you know i, I notre dame fans if you're listening we don't like miami and Ohio State Buckeyes are proud that we ended that we ended their streak, and they have not been good since when we beat them in that bowl game. So, I've always been a Trestle guy. Obviously, Urban Meyer. Like when they hired him, a lot of Ohio State fans were like, "Okay, are we selling our soul to the devil?" Right? But he was very, very successful. He won like ninety percent of his games. Always beat Michigan. 
And then, you know, you and I talked this week, through like Brian Day, the guy who's won 88% of his games, um, been in the playoffs a couple times. So we've been very fortunate since Woody Hayes, Ohio State has had, I think, seven straight Hall of Fame coaches. And one of the things I wanted to bring up today, you, you know the drill, Drew. If, if you look at Florida, Florida State, USC, Michigan, Notre Dame, Miami, Tennessee, Blue Bloods, if they hire the wrong coach, it'll set the program back 10 years, right? 10 years. And Ohio State has just been fortunate to land on from Woody to Earl Bruce to John Cooper to Trussell to Urban Meyer. Like, they've just landed. They've just had a very good string of good luck on hiring these coaches. Yeah, I would I would agree on that end, and you know I think it's interesting too. You know, you almost you almost had a Luke Fickle in there as well, right? And you know, obviously Luke right. Fickle was very successful at Cincinnati. Now he's at Wisconsin. You know, I do wonder if 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 Ohio State had given him a little bit more time, if he would have you know continued to be there and if he would have been successful. But he he was right before Urban, right? So it was you kind of had to make yeah, that decision. Right. Yeah. So yeah, you had to hire Urban Meyer. So I totally get that. Um, I was going to ask you real quickly about oh this is what I was going to say is that. When you're talking about your dad saying that Jim Trestle thing, um, that he's going to be next classic, it reminds me of you telling me, this is what, two years before Notre Dame hired Brian Kelly um, from Cincinnati. You said, I think you texted me, you said, Drew, that Brian Kelly guy at Cincinnati is going to be Notre Dame's next head coach. So kudos to you on calling that one out, you know, a couple of years in advance. I just think remember that. Um, and that was, that was a great call on your part. So you and, uh, you and your dad, um, you know, prognosticators are prognosticators as it comes to, uh, college coaching trees. So well done. Um, all right. So let's, let's, you know, kind of, let's go back to Ryan day. Um, because I did want to talk a little bit more about him. You said, um, you and I traded a couple of texts about him as well. And, you know, he, he's, he's a great coach, right? He's got an offensive mind, kind of unlike a lot of others, maybe only rivaled possibly by like, uh, you know, a Lincoln Riley at USC. Um, what were your initial thoughts when, when they hired him? Because, and remind our listeners, was he, he was the offensive coordinator prior to being head coach. What was kind of his, he was from like New Hampshire. What, what was his background? How did he get that job? And, you know, when he was named that the head coach, once again, he wasn't a named guy. He wasn't anyone that anyone had really heard of. What were kind of your, the fan base's thoughts around Ryan Day? He was at New Hampshire and with Chip Kelly. And before Ohio State, he was the quarterback's coach at with the 49ers with Chip Kelly. I think Chip Kelly may have lasted a year there. And Urban Meyer, for some reason, just had his eye on him and brought him in as a quarterback's coach and then later offensive coordinator because he and Kevin Wilson, former Indiana coach, were co-offensive coordinators. There's also Tom Herman, uh, then Day. And then he was, he picked, he was the guy in waiting which i didn't know who he was right a lot of ohio state people didn't know who he was and we just like we hit a gold mine with the guy right like he wasn't proven he's never been a head coach before but he's just a crazy recruiter um i would also give brian hartline a lot of credit for that they should back the brings truck up for that guy because he just brings in nfl talent year in and year out i i don't know if urban meyer i, I can't say i mean i don't know if Ryan Day, I can't say a bad word about the guy, right? Cannot. But I don't know if he has that gene or that gear that a Trestle or a Urban Meyer has. That Where they almost – those two guys could will their team to win, right? Like we're winning this game out of just spite and vinegar. Like we're going to win this game. I don't know if Day has that gene quite yet. Um, those guys never lost to Michigan twice in a row, right? They did for uh, different reasons. Um, but I, I like him. I You know – it's a classic 
example of, hey, if you get rid of Ryan Day, who, who's going to replace him? Yeah. Who's, who's better than this guy? Right? And look at Harbaugh. He, he struggled for years to beat Ohio State. Now he's beaten him twice, gone to the playoffs twice. So you got to give these coaches time, right? You really have to give – and he's already has a track record of winning. He just wins, needs to win a national championship. The expectations are so high, and I will say out of scope and unrealistic for Ohio State fans that the bar has just been set so high that yeah. it's, it's almost impossible to meet those expectations. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think his – I think that – his record at Ohio State is what three four years there three years in the playoffs um obviously haven't won it yet um but you're right I think it's it's an interesting conundrum right because if if you think about some of the big games that Ohio State has this year um you know I talked about it but they have Notre Dame they've got Wisconsin and then they've got Michigan at the end of the year um you know if they lose to Michigan again, I think you're probably going to have a portion of your fan base that is going to say this guy needs to go. Which you know, once again, kind of crazy because you know who else could you get? But you probably have a portion of your fan base that says go out and hire Hartline, right? Like, and he's already there. Um, but yeah, it's 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 crazy, and and everyone knows, you know, our listeners know, you guys were were a missed field goal away from being the national, yeah, from being the defending national champions last year. You guys would have you guys would have completely destroyed TCU. So, um, yeah, he's 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 an extremely good coach. What do you think? Um, he obviously has an offensive mind, and he's brought in Jim Knowles from a defensive perspective. Yes. How do you does he rely a ton on his defensive coordinator, or does he have a little bit of a defensive mindset as a head coach as well? I think he's one hundred percent dependent on his defensive coordinator. Nick Knowles was killer at Oklahoma State, as you may remember. And they hired him uh, to fix the defense. And yeah, I think he gave him carte blanche. And if you watched the games this year, mind you, we haven't played anybody tough, but we were giving up some points and a lot of yardage to these, you know, other schools and these, you know, fair fairweather schools last year. So we haven't given up a lot of points defensively. We're playing a little bit you know, it's, it's a, the second year in his program, right, in, in his system. So the players are getting used to it a little bit more. And I, I've been happy with our defense because we haven't given up any garbage long plays. We, we were like the kings of giving up long plays to these random schools. And you think, how can our athletes get outrun like this? What, what's happening? So I think they've adjusted. They've learned. And our defense is in a really good place right now. We'll find out on Saturday if that's true. Because you, your quarterback, I'm scared. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, so the stats, it looks like I think Ohio State's given up 20 points across uh, three games. Um, but you're right, Notre Dame's got a great quarterback um, that I'm sure we'll, we'll talk a little bit about here in this podcast. So, um, all right, let's imagine that you've got a lot of your buddies um, you know, listening to this podcast after you and I record it. Um, you want to start to educate some of your, your you know, diehard Ohio State fans around Notre Dame. What are some questions that I can answer for you to give your buddies a little bit of a sense as it relates to Notre Dame? I would just say, what, what has Marcus Freeman done to really bring the elite level athletes on the edges of the skill positions into Notre Dame? And two, my, my a follow-up question to that is, do you think that, you know, Brian Kelly has always has sort of said since he left for LSU, like, I've done all I can do. I've sort of maxed out at Notre Dame. I wonder if Notre Dame is maxed out on Brian Kelly and they need a new voice or they need a new head coach right maybe it was a be- the best for both worlds that both parties moved on right because they both took each other to a really good spot elite level but it might be better for both parties if they moved on so start with the question about the, the elite talent the defensive backs the receivers the quarterbacks and then go into the brian kelly question 
Yeah, so I think um, you know, and I think from a recruiting perspective, I think we're going to start to see some of the fruits of this more so in the in the upcoming years. You know, a lot of the elite guys that you know Marcus Freeman has recruited are are guys that are either freshmen this year, you know, might be a sophomore, but you know, he's got some really talented guys on the edges. Um, you know, from a wide receiver, running back perspective, defensive line perspective, coming next year. Um, but I think he's you know. I think Marcus Freeman just kind of, he looks at recruiting as it's his number one priority. Um, you know, I think it was one of the things he mentioned in his press conference. It's kind of the lifeblood of a program. He knows that in order for him to compete against other schools, you have to have, you know, four, high four-star, you know, five-star talent um, because we've all seen what happens. You know, Notre Dame can be, you know, 11-1 team. You know, some years they go 12-0, and they go 10-2. and And, you know, the problem is, is when you play the elite teams, you know, you just don't have the talent. It's not that you don't necessarily have the frontline talent. It's that you, in fact, you don't have the backup talent, right? It's, you can't allow, or you can't, you can't have any injury at any point because your, your third string cornerback is, you know, their eighth string cornerback, right. On, on the other team. And so they'll, and they'll find that weakness. They'll pick you apart. Um, and then all of a sudden the game's over. So I think he's realized that, he needs to recruit better um, in order for Notre Dame to compete, and I think he he enjoys it. He's younger, he's you know he's definitely hipper for sure than Brian Kelly was, and you know he he just he goes after it, and he's got this he's got this sense that you know he's even said it before. It's you know, hey, listen, let's 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 go talk to everyone and find out if they're a fit for Notre Dame and see if they are interested. Like, you know, it's, it's not going to be for everyone, but like, you know, why not have those conversations and see if, if people are interested and see, see if they want to come. So, um, yeah, I, I could not be happier with regards to kind of just his initial progress. Um, obviously we'd love to see a little bit more five-star guys, but you know, he's doing a really good job and he's, he's got a great coaching staff. I think that's everything too. You really trust his coaching staff, um, to, to do their job. Um, kind of going back to the Brian Kelly point. Yeah. I think, you know, I don't think you found a whole lot of Notre Dame fans that were super upset when he left. You know, he did get us back to, you know, a very high standard of Notre Dame football. I think at the end of his tenure, they'd won maybe five or six years, 10 straight games in a row, which is, which is awesome. You know, Notre Dame hadn't seen that in a long period of time. So he took us from, you know, some, some pretty bleak days and he had some complete clunkers of a year for sure over his record. But those last bunches of years were really, really good. Um, we couldn't get over the hump in some of those big games. Um, obviously we struggled in a lot of other games, but you know, I think going to this year we'd won. And so Marcus Freeman continued last year, but we've won like, it's like 30 some games against in regular season games against ACC teams. Like, so, you know, we don't lose those games. Yeah. But I, I do think I was totally fine when it happened. I think, you know, for those of you that have listened to this podcast a bunch in the past, you know, when, when Marcus Room got hired, I said, this is awesome. I think he's, I think he's the absolute perfect fit. When, when, when Brian Kelly left, I, you know, my wife, you know, we were in bed together at that time. Cause it was like 11 o'clock at night. I told her, I was like, I just got my phone totally blew up. I was like, Brian Kelly's leaving. She's like, no way. And I said, she said, how do you feel? I said, I feel okay because I think this is actually our chance to go get Marcus Freeman because Marcus Freeman was not going to be that Notre Dame there for another year. He was going to get a head coaching job somewhere else. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so that was the opportunity. And I just I just think he is the absolute right person to be leading Notre Dame. Um, and I think Kelly mailed it in on recruiting on a lot of fronts. I think it was probably time for him to go. And, and he's, he's, he's having the same issues he had at Notre Dame that he's, he's having the same issues at LSU they had at Notre Dame. You know, he, he's complaining and people are seeing his red yeah, face. Right. And, you know, it's, he's just, he's, he is who he is. And, you know, uh, it's, he's LSU's problem now, not, not Notre Dame's problem. You know, he's not, he's not welcome back in Notre Dame, probably more so for, because how he, how he kind of let everything go there at the end. And, you know, his texts to the players and he, you know, the three minute speech, and then he's out the door and he's 
talking at basketball games with a, with a Southern accent, you know, yeah, 24 right. hours later. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm completely excited about Marcus Freeman could not be happier. And I think he's the absolute right person to lead us. So, yeah. So I got a question for you. So when Ryan Day came to Ohio state, I noticed it almost immediately that Ohio state really cut down on really mental mistakes and, and stupid for lack of a better phrase, penalties, like a, a false start at the five yard line. Right. I noticed that as a difference in, how Ryan Day coaches. What differences do you see in Notre Dame from a Marcus Freeman coach team versus a Brian Kelly coach team? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think one, you know, I think I think there's a little bit better of an attitude that we're going to win these games. Um, you know, I think you know it wasn't it wasn't it was no more evident. I think in the Clemson game last year where. You know, Clemson was undefeated, I think ranked two or three in the country or maybe even four um, coming to Notre Dame. I think they're 8-0. And, oh, and Notre Dame absolutely waxed them. And, you know, we had not seen that from a Brian Kelly coach team. I don't – maybe never, right? Like maybe Oklahoma that one year in 2012. But outside of that, Notre Dame had never just completely dominated a, you know, top five team um, to the point where it was like, wow, that wasn't even a matchup. So I think he's got the players thinking from a different mindset. Um, you know, obviously – you know they went ahead and got a got a got a, a Sam Hartman. You know Kelly kind of relied on on his his quarterbacks that he had in his system. Relied on you know his offensive coordinators. And then I think Marcus Freeman just says, "Listen, I need to go get the best players. Who are those best players? I'm going to use a portal. Uh, I'm going to use it as much as I can, as much as the university will let me." And he's gone out and done it. Um, so I think he's he is a, he is a players coach for sure. But it, there's a hard edge to him as well. I think you know sort of similar to. It's not going to be the same as like what you were kind of describing around Trestle or or Meyer, but I do think that you know behind closed doors, you know, while he once again is 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 really cool and you know he he's such a great he's a great presence in front of the media. When behind closed doors, they even had some clips of it. You know, you hear him swearing, you hear him going after the players. He's going to get after you, and you know. He's the kind of guy, though, that's going to be a father figure, and so the players really respect him. So I think it's the mindset he brings to the table. Um, I think it's, hey, we're going to bring the best players in to compete and win, uh, which is going to help us win. And I don't know. I don't, I, I don't think Brian Kelly, he just didn't have that same kind of feel. So um, I'm going to throw this back to you, though, um, with regards to, you know, let's start to take a look at kind of what you've seen so far from Ohio State this year. You guys are 3-0. Um, you know, have all the wins been on, at home? Have you been on the road at all? We played Indiana on the road. Okay. All right. So, so started the season at Indiana, um, but you're three and zero. You know, as we as you kind of said, the defense looks like they're they're really balling out. They're looking pretty good right now. What are some of the things that you've liked from Ohio State this year, and what are some of the things that you haven't liked from Ohio State this year across three games? Uh, good question. So, I like the defense. I like that they're flying around. I, they don't seem they, they seem more comfortable in the system. Offensively. We replaced three offensive linemen to the NFL. Our first two games, the offensive line struggled a little bit. And for some reason, I don't know why, we, we, we really struggled to run the ball. We have a, you know, our Henderson, our, our running back, I think he was freshman of the year um, offensively as a freshman for the, in the Big Ten. He ran for, I don't know, 1,200 yards. He got hurt, a little banged up last year, and he's a very good back, but he hasn't just he hasn't had that 140-yard game, um, which obviously would help us out a lot since we have a quarterback making his fifth start on Saturday. I really, you know, who am I? But I, I, I wish Day had picked a starter in camp and just gone with him. Because I think if you watch the tape of the first two games, 
it took a while for McCord to get some reps. He needed more reps, and it was almost like he was making up some training camp reps in in game time. And he had, you know, he had quick feet. He uh, wasn't accurate. But this last game, now that he now that he's had reps under him, he spun the ball really well. I think he threw him 350 yards, three touchdowns. Throwing to those receivers, my lord, they're crazy, right? Marvin Harrison Jr. is a freak of nature. He threw two long balls to him. So I, I wish Day would have picked a quarterback a little bit earlier and ran with it, but I think our offensive line struggled at first. Um, of course, they have not gone up against the defensive line like Notre Dame's going to throw at them Saturday night. But those are two things specifically, is our O-line and our running game. I think McCord will throw the ball well because he's got great receivers and he can spin it. He's got, he's got a strong arm. But I'm okay with the defense, but I just the, the offensive line and the quarterback play really has me most worried about Saturday night. Yeah, I think, you know, when you watch Ohio State play, and I feel like this has been the case for years now, um, and it's kind of not that it's hard to describe the offense, but it just seems like they they snap the ball. The quarterback obviously is, is you know, in the shotgun, and he, it's like he drops back even like five more yards. And then there's like, it's almost like there's like a 10 yard cushion between the offensive line and the quarterback. But because you have such great wide receivers, he typically has enough time to hit someone, whether they're streaking across the middle, down the side, whatever it is. And I think that that obviously is a product of having amazing wide receivers, which you guys have had for the last, you know, what, 10 years or so. Uh, but it's, 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 such a, it's such a different offense than what you see from a lot of other teams just because it just seems like, you know, if your offensive line is good, the, the, the quarterback just has all day to kind of sit back there and find someone typically streaking down the field. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so and I and and I haven't obviously I haven't watched Ohio State this year and I've only you know kind of seen some snippets and I've I've read a little bit about McCord. Um, what do you? I know you follow recruiting. What's his, what's his background? Where did he come from? I'm I'm assuming he's a five star guy. Um, tell us a bit more about about the about your quarterback uh, Kyle McCord. So he has been in the system for three years. That's nothing that frustrated me and a couple of my buddies who are Ohio State fans. Like he's been in the program for three years. He's splitting snaps in training camp. He's got a strong arm. I think he's from Arizona, five-star recruit. He came in with another guy, Jack Miller, who transferred to Florida, doesn't even play anymore. But Justin Fields, um, I think he just feels about then uh, C.J. Stroud beat him out. He just needs reps. He needs game reps, right? He just needs to play in a game. I remember C.J. Stroud, who was the second pick in the draft, really struggled in his first game against Minnesota, and he struggled. He lost to Oregon at home, if you remember. Remember, it's a sophomore. When he was his second start, he lost at home. And then, right, kind of like what happened, I'm really glad Notre Dame was our fourth game and not the first game, but he got his sea legs under him, C.J. Stroud, and I, I – it was night and day watching uh, McCord on Saturday. Yes, it was Western Kentucky, but Western Kentucky did score 41 points against South Florida, who – gave Alabama a game. I'm not saying Western Kentucky is any good, trust me, but he just looked like he should. They won 63 to 10. That's what they should do against a team like Western Kentucky. What um, kind of a side note, if Quinn Ewers was still at Ohio State, would he be the starting quarterback right now? I think you and I talked about this. I guarantee you I texted you when he signed with Ohio State and I said he will never take a snap here. Yes, he would be the starting quarterback without question. But I knew – when he signed with us, I'm like, this is, it just felt wrong. Uh, he's killing it at Texas right now, but I don't know if you've read, but he cut his mullet. He's, he's changed. His whole attitude has changed. I think he had a little dose of 
humble pie last year, and Sarkeesian has got him into shape. But he would be our starting quarterback without question yeah. um, this year, which would be nice to have. I've got to be honest with you. Yeah, it's 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 sort of interesting with him. You know, he uh, I, I, obviously he got some big NIL dollars to go to Ohio State. Did did they do they have to pay him all? Did did, did he get paid all that money in one year? Because it wasn't like over a million dollars. I think I've heard it was stories of it was over a million dollars, and he's got a million dollars and went back to Texas and probably is making a million dollars now. Oh yeah, I'm sure he's making more than that. But yeah, he um, I, I agree with you on you know he he cleaned up his act, he got rid of the hair. Um, you know it's it, it's in it's crazy because he's in his third year, right? He could go pro at for this year. So um, even though he's only pretty much played for two years, so it'll be interesting to see what he does. But uh, yeah, he's I don't know. I you know I wouldn't say that the jury is still out on him. Probably it probably still is. But you know he had a great game against Alabama. But you know then they were ten to ten going into the fourth quarter against Wyoming last week. So um, he's still got a lot to prove. I think this year. Um, all right, talk to me a little bit about um, what everyone wants to know about the wide receivers um, and just kind of how dynamic they are um, and what you think they bring to the table. Um, and included in that, um, let's talk a little bit about uh, Cade Stover, your tight end, who has looked like he's gotten off to a really good uh, fast start this year. So you may remember uh, when Urban Meyer got suspended, Smith, his like Earl Bruce's son-in-law, was our receivers coach. And we, we, we could not, I think it was in 2018, 2017, we could not get – receivers open 10 yards downfield it was amazing it was so frustrating then they brought in Hartline, who as you may remember played in the nfl for i think six or seven years played for ohio state obviously and he changed everything and there is a story of when he walked in the room the receiver room he said raise your hand as high as you can possibly raise it if you want to be an all-american here and of course every kid raised their hand he's like raise it higher if you want to win a national championship and a couple kids raised it higher. And he's like, you're going to run tomorrow because I told you to raise it as high as you can raise it the first time. He's like, when I tell you what to do the first time, you got to do what I say. Right. And listening to the game uh, Saturday, he was a high hurdler in high school. So everything I've heard about this guy, the footwork, the technique, everything, he is just a technician. Right. And of course he's in a very fortunate position now that, Garrett, right? Did you see that catch against the uh, – it was freak. And yeah. Alave made one, I think, Monday night that was crazy. So he sent a few guys off in the first round, three or four guys in the first round. So now he's got that credibility. And I remember when uh, Garrett and Alave took the Rose Bowl off to get ready for the draft, and they entered – here's Marvin Harrison Jr., freshman, three touchdowns, right? I, 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 it's hard to explain because – We've had good receivers right in the past, but never like elite NFL talent, except for the last five or six years. Not like the level they're doing now. So it's just crazy. And, it, you know, it makes Justin Fields look good. And he's struggling now. But if you remember the Rose or the Sugar Bowl against Clemson, he had like four touchdowns over 60 yards because he would just throw it as far as he could and these guys would run under it. Yeah. So I think he does make the quarterbacks look good, these receivers. But it's all due to Brian Hartline. He's a great recruiter, a great teacher great coach um and we can't lose him right i hope he doesn't go to michigan state there's rumors of him going to michigan state i they need to back up the brinks truck to keep him in Columbus. he's not going to michigan state that's what a step absolute like that is a step down from the offensive coordinator role at ohio state that's not even a question um all right so real quickly going back to the wide receivers and 
if you're Notre Dame's defense, what would you do to stop them? Is there anything in particular, whether it's you've seen an off game from these guys, is it, you know, getting pressure on McCord, um, you know, kind of, as you said a little bit earlier, you know, dealing with an offensive line that's probably not as good as it has been in the past. Is it, is it all about getting pressure on McCord? Um, do you roll over a safety onto, you know, you know, Harrison or, you know, obviously then you've got, you know, the other guy um, in Buka, you've got him a little bit more open. What are anything in particular? Yeah. Like Stover, I, I would put pressure on McCord. It's his fifth start. Our offensive line is, has three new starters pressure because you don't you don't want those guys in space right you just don't because they're hard to catch they they get yards after the catch just pressure on him and let him get happy feet right and if he throws a pick he might get rattled right nerdin's got a very very good defensive back good secondary and just pressure up front i think that's what i would do because i don't know if you you move a safety over there's somebody else gonna be open right if you play a zone if, if you play a zone and our offensive line is working well, it'll just get picked apart, right? Yeah. They, I, I would just rush and put pressure on uh, McCord because he's, like I said, fifth start. Has never played in a game like this before, especially on the road at night in that environment. He might get rattled. Yeah, yeah. I do think Notre Dame. You know, if if this is if there's any year for Notre Dame to be playing Ohio State, it's definitely this year, right? We probably have our best, you know, kind of group of cornerbacks um, in a long period of time, you know, obviously two, two cornerbacks, right? We, we've had times and periods of time where we've got, you know, one really good cornerback and the other so-so, but that doesn't help, right, when you're going up against the wide receivers. But um, Cam Hart and Benjamin Morrison are, are a very good cornerback duo. And even even our backup, Jaden Mickey, um, who's, our, who's our third cornerback, is a very good player too. And I think he's someone that started to come on this year just as a sophomore. And then, you know, when you look at what Notre Dame has typically been doing so far this year, they've, they're running Thomas Harper out as our nickelback, so he's obviously going to have a big game. Um, you know, on on Saturday night, and then you know you're up. You know, you, you could see situations where we're rolling out six defensive backs, obviously depending upon the the down in yardage. And the safeties have have gotten the year off to a good start, so Notre Dame secondary has has performed well this year. So I do think that that is you know it's it's you'd rather have that than not have that going to this game, right? And if Notre Dame can pressure McCord, and like you said, you know, maybe force him into some early turnovers, it might kind of rattle him a little bit, and, and we'll see. But I do think, though, if you ask me, obviously, you know, you know, getting McCord out of his comfort zone and rushing him is going to be key. But I do think as well, Notre Dame, Notre Dame needs to make sure they can stop the run. You know, I think last year's game at, at Ohio State, you know, early on in the game, Notre Dame did a really good job of stopping the run, you know, and that forced – you know, probably Ohio State maybe into a little bit different things than what they wanted to do. If Notre Dame can start the game and really, you know, force Ohio State to be one-dimensional for as good as your wide receivers are, right. if you guys are not running the ball, um, if you're forced into, you know, you know, second and eights or, you know, third and sevens, whatever that is, um, I do think that puts Notre Dame in a, in a lot better position than if it's obviously it's third and four, right, and you guys are running the ball well. Like then it's – now it's kind of pick your poison, right? You you blitz, and all of a sudden there's there's gaps open, and you know Henderson's running for twenty yards up the middle. Um, so yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting game, but I do think Notre Dame does need to focus on at least at the beginning stopping the run for sure. Any thoughts on that, Kev? Yeah, stopping the run. If you can get Henderson bottled up in the beginning, that'll do you favors. Also, keep in mind, McCord's not going to run, so he's not the type of quarterback at third and seven that's going to. You know, if, if the coverage breaks down and, and he can't find anybody open, he's not going to run for eight yards and, like, break the back of everyone in that stadium, right? That's so frustrating when quarterbacks do that. He's just not going to be that guy. Yeah. So I, you can eliminate that threat and 
again, if he can get, then you force him to, to your point, if he can stop Henderson to be a drop back passer. And he has not been in big games. So that's my, like I said, that in the O line is my biggest concern. Yeah, and I think that, that that kind of brings us to our next point with regards to the other aspect of this game that is, I think, unique for Notre Dame is that this is probably the the biggest game in a long time in uh, Sweets on the last yesterday's podcast. We really kind of talked about this, but um, you know, Notre Dame de- definitely has the best quarterback out there, right? So, you know, having the best quarterback on the field uh, on Saturday night in Notre Dame Stadium with you know should be a pretty pro Notre Dame crowd, at least I'm hoping so. Um, you know, that, that I do think is going to be, uh, you know, a big, a big key for Notre Dame. And then I do think kind of talking around the same lines around Travion Henderson, you know, Audrey Castamay has gotten off to a really good start this year. Um, and he has proven to be an, an extremely tough running back to bring down. So I think it will be key for Notre Dame to, you know, set up um, the run game early, um, which could then lead to obviously play action plays, It'll give Hartman, you know, more space and time um, because you guys do have a good defensive line. And I wanted to kind of, you know, bring the conversation there. Um, talk to us a little bit about, you know, I know you like the defense, but who are some of the folks that we should keep an eye on for Ohio State from a defensive perspective, whether it's their defensive linemen, um, the, the, the linebackers, the cornerbacks, the safeties. And I will say um, it's been kind of frustrating to watch uh, Eichenberg play so well when his brother went to Notre Dame. That's been kind of annoying. But, uh, yeah, tell us a little bit more about the defense that we should be keeping an eye out for and, and what you're looking for on Saturday night. So I actually thought about this today. Like JTT and Jack Sawyer, both five-star recruits, JTT had a great game against Penn State a year ago. Um, sack, sack, fumble, touchdown. One of those crazy games. But Jack Sawyer, like that's a name. Like, will he have a showing out party on Saturday? He was a five-star recruit out of Pickerington. I think he's in the top five of all-time recruits for Ohio State, and he hasn't done a whole lot, right? So curious, you know, they can come off the edge. They can be very, very dangerous, sack, they can do everything, right? But will one of those two guys show up, right? Our secondary is strong. You know, I'm not terribly concerned about that. They're going to be on their heels with the Hartman. But will one of these two five-star recruits make a name for themselves? And will they shine and will they get themselves on some, you know, Mel Kuyper draft boards if they show up in a game like today, like like Saturday? Like they, they, we, we need one of those guys, one of those two guys – to show up and be disruptive and be all over the field and make Notre Dame's life hell. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, from a Notre Dame perspective, you know, the good thing about both JTT and Sawyer is that we have our two best offensive linemen going up against them, right? We've got Blake Frischer on one side and Joe Alt on the other. And I think I saw a tweet today that literally said that Joel has not allowed one pressure this entire year. Um, now, obviously, he hasn't gone up against, you know, talent like Ohio State, but. Joe Ald is, you know, if he continues to have the year he is, he's going to be a top five pick in the NFL draft next year as a junior. Um, he's he's that good. And Blake Frischer has been, you know, so-so this year. I think he's he's improved over the last couple of games, but, you know, he hasn't been his best. There is some talk around maybe he's injured a little bit. Um, but, you know, same thing. He knew, he wants to, you know, show up on a night like tonight. You know, you continue to hear people talk about, like, this is going to be a game that, you know, NFL scouts are going to point back to because there's so much talent on each side. And it's how did you do against that elite talent and what did you do that night? Um, I do think that that, you know, if I'm Ohio State, one of the areas that I would pick on is a little bit more up the middle um, because, you know, Notre Dame, while we do have, I think, a fifth-year center, our guards, this is only their fifth start. Um, they're new this year. Um, one's a redshirt junior, one's a redshirt sophomore. So if I'm Ohio State, I'm, I'm looking at how do I kind of, you know, make hay um, from the middle. And I think that that's where you might see, 
you know, you're blitzing from your linebackers, um, which, you know, you guys did a lot of last year. Um, so that I think if, if, I'm, if I'm Ohio State, that's an area where I focus on. I will say, you know, Sam Hartman's done a really good job this year of, of when he's under pressure of, of completing passes. So uh, that's another thing to keep an eye out on. And I think the other thing, we talked a little bit about it yesterday, but Sam Hartman's ability to throw wide receivers open or hit wide receivers on the run is night and day different from what Notre Dame's been able to do over the last probably just even 10 years. I mean, we can, so many of us watch Notre Dame games, especially, you know, the diehard fans are yelling at the TV when we see a guy open or yelling at the, you know, field when we're at a game and the quarterback either is too tiny and can't see them or just cannot figure out how to throw the ball into a space. And I think we saw we saw last game, um, you know, especially from some of the deep balls that Sam Hartman threw. He he knows how to hit guys on the run, um, and he can be dangerous. So that's what excites me about some of the things that we could possibly see on Saturday night is that it's not going to be a situation in the past where it's it's a Nordium quarterback where you're like, I don't even know if he can throw it 50 yards. You know, Hartman's got the arm. Right. He sees guys. He's in his sixth year, um, and he can hit them open, which is which is really really good. Um, I asked this on the podcast yesterday, um, Kevin, and I want to get your thoughts. Give me two things that if Ohio State does these two things, um, they will be victorious on uh, on on Saturday night. Uh, it sounds cliche, but McCord cannot have turnovers, right? They cannot give Notre Dame extra possessions. Um, I would. I, that's number one, and two. Henderson doesn't need to run for 150 yards. He just needs to run. He needs to. We need to be able to be in second and short because we don't want to put pressure on McCord to be second and long, third and long, right? I'm not saying we need to run for a million yards, right? But we we need to establish the run and just no turnovers. Um, cannot beat ourselves, right? We have the talent to match up with Notre Dame, right? We can't let Ohio State beat Ohio State. Notre Dame has to beat Ohio State. No stupid penalties. Just play our game. Play smart. Play intelligent. Play hard. We, you know, it's not going to take a Herculean effort, right? We, we don't need to come up with gimmick, fake punts for touchdowns. We just need to play our game, right, and beat a very solid Notre Dame team. But it will be tough, and mistakes will get that crowd going, and we'll just be playing behind the chains all game if we start to do that. Yeah, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking to you know the last few what I would consider really really big games at Notre Dame Stadium that at least I've been to um, and the atmosphere and the environment. So I'm thinking back to 2017 Georgia, going all the way back to 2005 USC. Kev, you and I were actually uh, tailgating at that at that game together, um, which was a ton of fun. Um, and then last year against Clemson, uh, 2022 against Clemson, and when the atmosphere. In Notre Dame Stadium is is like that, you know, and we talked about it. But uh, last night, I think um, people didn't sit down against Clemson. You know, Notre Dame fans stood the entire time, and that is so unlike Notre Dame fans because you know you've got so many typically people that are like, ah, oh, down in front, sit down. I you know I paid my money, blah. I think that I think the fans will be standing the entire game. The only time, the only thing that I think might cause them to sit is if you know, for example, Ohio State goes out on like a fourteen nothing run to start the game or something. Then I think you might see the fans sit down. But if Notre Dame starts off good, or if Notre Dame scores early, or if Notre Dame has a big stop early, um, I think that momentum and from a crowd standpoint is going to continue on throughout the game. And that does make a difference for Notre Dame because once again, Notre Dame is not used to playing 
with a crowd environment where people are literally standing the whole time. And this can be really fun. That is, that is, you, you can't beat that. The only time people are sitting down once again is during timeouts or, you know, taking a break from, from a, from a TV timeout. So, um, it's going to be exciting. And I think that that is something that could possibly as well really help Notre Dame, um, from the perspective of, of what, you know, needs to get accomplished on Saturday night. Um, the other question I wanted to ask you, Kevin, was about special teams. Um, we haven't re- really kind of delved too much in it on, on any of the podcasts this year. You know, Notre Dame's got a got a fairly good you know field goal kicker who I think is has is now logged in for the longest field goal in, in Notre Dame history. He's a fifth year transfer, so that's great to see. Our punters, you know, really boomed a few. Um, our kickoff game, you know, we've been tending to boom boom them out of the end zone, so we haven't seen a ton there. And our kick return hasn't done a whole lot. We haven't blocked any punts this year, which was a big focus for Notre Dame last year. And you know, I'm curious if to see if Notre Dame's been holding that back for this game. But anything for us to keep an eye out on uh, with regards to Ohio State's special teams, whether it's kick returners, punt returners, your your field goal kicker. Tell us a bit about the special teams for what you know about there. So I think our field kicker is solid. With, with all the offensive explosion and athletes Ohio State's had the last five or six years, ten years, whatever it is, we have not had a strong special teams return unit. And I, I can't remember very many uh, punt returns or kickoff returns since Teddy Ginn back in the day, right? We used to run back all the time. That's a really good question that you asked me because I don't know if Ohio State, if that will be an advantage to Ohio State, right? I haven't seen Notre Dame a whole lot this year. Watched a little bit of the Navy game, but I don't know what their return teams are like on kickoff or punts. But Ohio State is pedestrian at best in that regard. We've got we we're we're putting back a couple of our young running backs on kickoff now. You're going to see a guy named uh, Jadarian Price. He's number twenty four. And then you're going to see a freshman, Jeremiah Love, um, who's number 12, a freshman from St. Louis. Uh, both very dynamic. And you'll see those guys out on the field as well on Saturday night. Um, they played a lot earlier in the season um, when they were really rotating the running backs. You know, Notre Dame got pretty comfortable across the first couple of games playing five different running backs, um, giving SMA as much a break as they can. I think you'll see a heavy dosage of SMA on Saturday night. There's no reason why you wouldn't. But if Notre Dame gives them a break, you're going to see a guy like a Jadarian Price. There's a guy named Jabron Payne who's actually from Cincinnati. Um, and then Jeremiah Love, like I said, uh, there's a guy named Devin Ford who's coming back from concussion protocol. I think he was back last week. Um, he's probably the fifth. But any number of those guys, whether it's uh, you know Ford, Love, Price, those are going to be the guys on the kick return. I think our punt return has been Chris Tyree. He hasn't really done a whole lot. He, he's caught a couple, and he maybe has like a 15-yard return. Um, but I really do think the interesting thing will be to see is if Notre Dame tries to disguise or is has some sort of punt block scheme going. Um, you know, you got to pick your pick your moments in that, right? Because it's too big of a game for you to try it and get a fifteen yard penalty and, and extend a drive for the other team, and you know that could be the difference between winning and losing. So you've got to know when the right time is to do it, but you also have to make sure that if you're going to do it, you, you can't. You pretty much probably have one chance to do it, right? You got to set it up and, and and run it and do it a good job. The good thing is that a lot of the players that were on the punt block last year are back this year, uh, so we'll see what they do. Uh, but yeah, I think that I mean this could be a game that could come down to a field goal. It could come down to you know a field position game, and you know I think both of our teams. You know I haven't seen anything crazy from Notre Dame special teams that's that's giving me concern. It sounds like you guys are kind of blah as well. There's nothing really to, to kind of talk about. So, but we'll see if if that makes a difference. Um, Final, you know, we've got it. We've got a few minutes left here, um, but I wanted to kind of just talk to you a little bit about, um, you know, kind of your hope for for Saturday as it relates to kind of the day. You know, we're gonna be going down there. We're gonna be tailgating. Kind of tell us what 
I know you've been nerding before. What are you what are you hoping for from an experience standpoint? Not just the game, but just, you know, kind of the atmosphere, the environment and, and hanging out. Notre Dame is a special place to see a football game. That's just a fact. Whether you like it or not, it's just a fact. Touchdown Jesus, Golden Dome, it's just people in tweed, right? <laughs> it's just a different experience and it's special. As much as I love Columbus, right? Love it, right? Notre Dame is just a special place. And, heck, I've even gone in and uh, said a prayer in the church before games when I've done some games there. It's just, it's just an awesome place, and it's a beautiful campus just to walk around. That's what I'm looking forward to. Meeting some of your friends, maybe I've met them in the past before at other games, or we used to run around the city a little bit. But just you know, just having a very nice, casual. I just want to embrace the glory of college football. You and I are both through college football junkies, right? And there's no better place with the marching band, with the tailgates. This is the reason. This is like the quintessential college football experience: Ohio State at Notre Dame, at Notre Dame a night game. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And I, I will say, hats off to Notre Dame and Ohio State for scheduling this game. Because there are there are not a whole lot of Power Five schools that schedule tough out of conference games this year, and I'm looking at you, Michigan, like <laughs> nothing, right? So at least we had, you know, of course, we all have some cupcakes, the Tennessee States, the Western Kentuckys, right? But at least we had the courage to schedule one ball breaker game that will impact the season, could make and break your season, right? Playing a game like this, right? So it's not a cupcake game. They had the courage to do it, and it's just going to be good for college football. Yeah. What was the what was that stat when Florida played Utah? That it was their first non conference oh. game outside the state of Florida since like nineteen ninety three or something like that? Like I mean Embarrassing. How, yeah, how like is embarrassing. How is that even possible? I mean, if I think about Notre Dame, Notre Dame literally plays either at Stanford or at USC every year. I mean and we do that to end our season every year. We have to fly out to California, which makes uh, we can talk about that another time, but um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of just kind of reiterating your your talk about Saturday. I'm super excited for kind of just the day in general. We've talked a little bit about the weather, knocking on wood on that. Hopefully, it continues to stay. The forecast it's going to be a beautiful day. You know, the leaves are starting to change a little bit. I think if this game was maybe three weeks later, um, it would that would be one of those more picturesque fall days. I think we will see some of the leaves changing. There's going to be a ton of my friends there. Um, we've got some great tailgates to go to. Um, I think you're right. You know, you and I were talking a bit earlier. Like, you know, everyone wants to have fun here, you know, and everyone wants to have a good time, you know, regardless of what team you're rooting for. And as long as everyone's just, you know, a nice person, you know, everyone will have a lot of fun. Um, and it's just going to be a really, really, you know, enjoyable Saturday. Um, it's one of those moments that being an Notre Dame fan, um, I look forward to every year. And, this is going to be one of those days. I think it's just shaping up to be one of those epic moments, whether, you know, um, a game that we talk about for a long, long period of time or, or not. But I, I, I just have that feeling that it's going to be one of those days that, that we're all going to remember for, for a great period of time. And then kudos to all my friends that are, that are going to be there and having tailgates. Um, we thank you in advance for, uh, for allowing us to come over. And uh, we'll bring, don't worry, we'll bring some beer and some food. Um, so don't worry, we'll have some stuff. Um, all right. Um, Two final questions. The first one, I've, I didn't want to miss this one. Speaking of Michigan, uh, this one is from my uh, my good friend and uh, diehard University of Michigan fan, Errol Mitchell, um, who, you know, as we've talked, um, we think we think Michigan might be playing a high school team this week in, in Ann Arbor because that's kind of how they start their season. But uh, his question, um, he sent me this through text, is if Notre Dame beats Ohio State, should they be ranked number one? And my quick answer is no, I don't think they should. But should they be top four? I, I, I think that that's warranted. So um, your quick answer to that one, Kevin. Uh, I think if they beat Ohio State, they're going to be number three. 
behind Georgia and Michigan, and they certainly deserve it. They've just proved they've proven that they've just run roughshod through the entire season so far, four games, but they beat Ohio State. Who's better? Like, who's fifth? Florida State, I think you can maybe argue that. But yeah, I would. Are they better than Michigan? They have a better resume than Michigan if they win. You know, J.J. J. J. McCarthy, you texted me uh, over the weekend saying so he threw three picks against Bowling Green, right? And he threw two pick sixes against TCU. Probably lost in the game. So, I don't know. Like, the jury's still out on Michigan. They still have to play some games. They're good. Uh, no question about that. But Notre Dame, for sure, top four team. They're going to be the top 16. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I I agree. Top three, top four. Um, I think that that'd be a good spot to put them at. Um, if they if they were to win, so that begs my last question. Um, it's prediction time. Uh, I said last night that I was going to give my prediction on tonight's show. I will give the last prediction of the night. So Kevin, I'm going to toss it over to you. Um, feel free to say anything around the game, but um, you need to finish your, your comments um, with your final score prediction, and then I'll give mine. I think the leadership of the veteran quarterback in Hartman is, and the home crowd is just going to be the difference. I don't know how Ohio State's given three and a half. I'm astounded by that. I think it's 27-23 Notre Dame. As much as it pains me to say it, 27-23. Wow, that, that actually that surprises me. I know we talked before that you had a, you had a prediction. I did not think it was going to be Notre Dame. So, um, all right, I will take it. Um, I, I, I will think I, I would love that to be the case. Twenty-seven, twenty-three, Notre Dame. Um, I do think that this is going to be a game where um, the teams are going to score a little bit. I think we're going to see more scoring than I think most people thought about. Um, I think you're going to see some, you know, really big chunk plays by both teams. Um, I think you're going to see some long touchdowns by both teams, whether it's runs or passes. I think it's going to be a back and forth uh, affair. Um, but I agree with you, Kevin. I think you know a six-year quarterback like in a guy like Sam Hartman is going to be the difference on on Saturday night. Um, and you know we talked about this the other night as well. If if Notre Dame wins, uh, you know start the Sam Hartman uh, Heisman Trophy campaign because he he will have to have a good game if Notre Dame is to win. Um, but my prediction, I've got thirty-seven thirty-one. Irish. Um, don't ask me how they get to 37-31, but that's just kind of what I have in my mind. So I'm going to go Notre Dame 37, Ohio State 31. Fans will rush the field. Um, we're going to be in the upper bowl, Kev, so I don't know. It might take a little bit of time to get down there, but if they rush the field, uh, we're going. So um, see you on the field on Saturday night, folks. Um, all right, Kev, uh, this has been awesome. This has been really super, super fun. Uh, I hope all my listeners you know, once again, whether you're a Notre Dame fan, whether you're an Ohio State fan, whether you're a college football fan, that this was educational for you. It's, you know, great to hear, you know, you know, Kevin giving his thoughts around Ohio State, giving his thoughts around Notre Dame. Hopefully as well, I've given you guys some good thoughts around Notre Dame and kind of, but once again, we're just big college football fans and, you know, nothing beats this upcoming Saturday that we're about to see. It's going to be a ton of fun. And, uh, you know, no matter who you're rooting for, um, you can't can't deny that it's 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 fall Saturdays. Nothing beats it. So, um, Kev, I'll throw it back over to you for your last words uh, before I close it out. But uh, looking forward to seeing you on Saturday morning. Uh, I'll pick you up bright and early, and uh, looking forward to our day in the bend. Yeah, Drew, I can't thank you enough for. It. I think it speaks volumes to who you are as a person. Great guy. I've known you twenty plus years. That you're bringing an Ohio State fan into something. <laughs> For this game of all games and that just speaks to like the family you come from i don't know if listeners at home drew comes from probably the best family i've ever known in my life I, his dad like i said was my mentor his mom is phenomenal so just drew thanks for having me on here i wanted to do it since you started this really appreciate the ticket really appreciate the conversation i loved it and um thank you very much and 
I'll see you on Saturday morning, man. Yeah, right back at you, Kev. Um, yeah, I, I think once again we talked a lot about this. We talked about this years in advance um, when the, when these two games were announced that we were going to go together. It was too bad last year didn't work out. Um, but yeah, I wanted we wanted to make this happen, and you know, it's just going to be a ton of fun. It's going to be a great great drive down, catching up and just hanging out, and then yeah, the day as a whole is going to be awesome. So yeah, really looking forward to it. Um, just don't wear too much scarlet and red, please. Just like you know put a little bit of green in there or something. Um, but yeah. Uh, all right, folks, this is going to be it for exit 77. Um, really appreciate you guys joining, uh, looking forward to seeing a lot of you on Saturday at the game. Um, this is a Nordame football podcast. I'm your host, Drew Brennan. Uh, Oh, the last thing I want to say, sorry, I had a bunch of tickets. So I had six tickets. Five of these tickets are going Notre Dame fans. One's going to Ohio state. So don't think that I'm one of those persons that sold a whole bunch of tickets to a whole bunch of Ohio State fans. I have five Notre Dame fans, one Ohio State fan. So that's hopefully you people find that to be acceptable. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for joining us. Notre Dame Football Podcast, Exit 77. I'm your host, Drew Brennan. Let's get a big win on Saturday night. Irish 37, Buckeyes 31. Let's go, Irish. And we're going to let the Notre Dame lacrosse bad pikes uh, take us out.